You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Hello, Vixies! Actually, it's uh, probably a bunch of dudes that listen to this podcast, maybe some girls. Just I say that because, you know, most libertarian-leaning folks that binge on podcasts happen to be dudes, so is it weird that we call you Vixies? I think no matter what, we kind of just do it like a bit tongue-in-cheek, but um... Either way, I am happy to share with you guys an episode that we did with Adam Patrick. Uh, His show is You're Talking Over Me. And we appeared on his show back in like late May. So some of the stuff that we talk about is sort of dated. But I think honestly, we had a nice opportunity to talk about things that were um, more broad and general and timeless, uh, (laughs) including things as important as morality and natural order and kind of how to maybe find that in your own life um, because that's pretty important to do so if you'd like to have those things uh, occur in your Ancapistan society. Um, And so no, like, you know, Ancapistan, the country uh, does not exist, but doesn't mean that we can't kind of create our own little communities and, um, So we all kind of have to start somewhere. And while our goal is right to not have this, uh, this thing called the state, we will order ourselves. We are humans. That is what we do. There are hierarchies for a reason. And, you know, it's important to kind of talk about and not forget that that's all very important. And so while it's important to fight against the dictators in our lives and in our governments, um, you know, it, it doesn't only end there. Um, people and individuals and even to oneself, you can definitely be a dictator. So, um, just, you know, kind of a lot of food for thought, a uh, bit of like a power hour. Uh, we plowed through <laughs> a bunch of topics. Um, we had a lot of fun. And you might be wondering at this point, maybe where's Jesse? Um, so... I'll absolutely let Jessie tell her tale to you, and I can't wait. I keep saying, like, I can't wait for you to go scorched earth on our podcast because nobody can do that quite like Jessie can, so I'm pumped. But uh, it's a little bit crazy that I'm, like, excited about this because I shouldn't be excited about the fact that Jessie has had COVID all week. And, you know, it's kind of not been great, um... She has eventually gotten the help that she's needed, but um, like I said, I'm definitely gonna leave this all on all the juicy secrets and tales and spins and um anecdotes to her. But I we're speaking of morality and like timing now. This is um you know mid to late August, August twenty second here that I'm recording, um just this intro for this episode to put out, but. Speaking of morality, like, we have all started to see the Hippocratic Oath come into question. And no, not by, you know, doctors uh, upholding it. Actually, quite the opposite. Um, Doctors and other healthcare providers, physicians, you name it. um, Those who have sworn this thing called the Hippocratic Oath to do no harm and to do whatever necessary to take care of their patients, the people in their care. Like that's not just a casual, um, you know, pinky promise. 
it's pretty serious. And, you know, Jessie herself being a nurse and active in the field, um, I think what she's experienced this past week in particular was even more eye-opening than we could have imagined. So she'll have tales for you next time we reconvene together. Um, you know, throw up a prayer or send her uh, some well wishes perhaps. But um, yeah, she's clearly a fighter and, you know, we definitely could always use her fighting spirit. So with that being said, um, you know, enjoy the episode. Uh, give us feedback on Instagram. Um, that's just where we're most active. But Jesse also holds down the fort on Twitter for us. And, you know, go give Adam a listen. He's got, uh, I like his kind of um, central drive, like his central line of questioning, you know, it, it's an important quest. And I, I really appreciate the one he seems to be on and um, the folks that he's got on board um, for various conversations and inquiries into these subjects that um, we all care so much about. So, without further ado, enjoy our episode on You're Talking Over Me. Bye. Hello, everybody, and welcome to You're Talking Over Me. As always, I'm your host, Adam Patrick, and today I'm very happy to welcome Maddie and Jesse from the Voluntary Vixens podcast to the show. I've been a fan of theirs and listened to their podcasts from the beginning. Uh, I really love what they're doing. The show is very relaxed and conversational. It's a very easy show to listen to. The concepts are uh, very profound, though, and definitely will make people think. A lot of what we talk about here is not going to be foreign to anyone who's listened to either of our shows over the last year. But I was very curious their takes on a lot of things from, you know, education to politics to the right versus the left to Christianity and then in general just kind of their journey to voluntarism in general. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope that you will follow them on uh, all social media. I recommend going on Instagram and following Voluntary Vixens. That's where I interact a lot with them mostly. And of course, if you'd like to interact with me. It's I am Adam Patrick on all social media platforms. And then you're talking over me at protonmail.com if you'd like to contact me directly. Or you can DM me or message me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, whatever you'd like to do. I love the feedback. I'd really like to hear from you. Okay, enough from me. Let's get into it with Maddie and Jesse from the Voluntary Vixens podcast. Maybe we could start because I've, I've never done this with two, with two uh, guests before kind of work me through your evolutions to the idea of voluntarism because voluntarism for me I'll, I'll just kind of preface it here it's a moral philosophy and mm -hmm. what this show has been focusing on for the last year is uh how to make essentially how to build and capistan like how can we engineer liberty in a way mm -hmm. that it actually flourishes and for me, voluntarism is, it's a moral philosophy. It's not a socioeconomic or political philosophy. It is sort of like morality for atheists. And mm -hmm. so I'm curious to know your opinion on that and kind of how each one of you got there from 
wherever it is that you came from. Jess, you want to go first? How did I reach this point? Um, I think it's been, I've probably would have said when in high school that I was a Democrat or a liberal because I held a lot of those similar beliefs. Um, but I guess as I was um, getting older, I was more conservative in that I thought the government really didn't have, shouldn't have much of a role in my personal life. So I thought that meant that I was Republican. So um, I think, you know, I remember back in 2008 when Ron Paul ran for the first time. And when I heard him talking, um, I was really inspired by him back even then. So I've been following Ron Paul since 2008, probably, and that whole movement. And it's just as, as I have watched politics over the years and just the complete ineptitude of the Republican side and the Democrats just becoming more legalistic and um, authoritarian, um, I've just become pushed more outside of those two you know, ideas and more towards libertarianism. But as the libertarian party was starting to kind of get themselves into the news and into the media, it was just that it was pretty apparent that the party itself was not going to be something that I was going to support. And then I started hearing about anarchism and anarcho-capitalism. So I started thinking that's probably more along the lines of where my philosophy is. I like the idea of no government having any control over me, but voluntarism is probably a better, you know, we've, we've kind of settled on voluntarism because it's more of a, an idea of allowing people to make their own choices voluntarily engaging in exchanges of whatever kind. So that seems to be kind of my evolution towards voluntarism. It's just been, it's been a long journey <laughs> to get there, I guess. So when you, when you think about the ideas of, uh, of voluntarism, how, when you look at the libertarian party, right, do you see, do you see that working within the scope of politics? Do you see the, the idea of voluntary interactions between human beings working within something like the libertarian party, or do you see it as antithetical to liberty to involve yourself in any type of political mechanism? That one's a hard one because, I mean, as far as like a, on a federal level, like I don't think that, w that I don't understand why you would want to focus your energy on trying to get a libertarian in the presidency on the federal level because that would be really hard to, I mean, you would have to immediately resign the moment you became <laughs> won the, the election, you know? Mm -hmm. so, you have to get there and uh, <laughs> shut down the government. Well, that's what Adam Kokesh said, too. He said, I, yeah, yeah. I, I want to be elected president so I can dissolve the federal government. And I was like, all right, well, mm -hmm. all right, well, that's pretty ambitious. But yeah, kind of, right? Yeah. I mean, I think if you're going to work, if you're going to try to do like a libertarian, um, any kind of libertarian, like political involvement, it probably be best to do it on more of a local level. Um, because then that way, especially with these mask mandates and just the last year, you start to see how important it is to have the right mayor, have the right, um, people who are in the board of health and especially the Ugh. right governor, because if you don't have those things, then you're going to, then, then you're going to be even more locked down or even more oppressed by government. So really at the end of the day, I think we've, we've focused way too long on the wrong 
if we wanted to be in politics, if we were focusing on the wrong goal. It should have been local always. It should have started that way. Um, and, yeah. and I think that's kind of the, I think everybody kind of gets that, right? Because you know your, you know your mayor, you know your first selectman, you know the people that, you know, the, the treasurer of your town, the person that you drop the check off for your property taxes when you have to bring it in. You kind of, mm-hmm. whether or not you know them personally, you might very well run into them at a gas station somewhere and they kind of are accountable to you for their actions. And uh, I'm of the belief or I have evolved myself to the belief that that government, quote unquote, is somewhat inevitable and also sought out by people who probably don't realize they're seeking it. And mm-hmm. if it is to exist, if it has to, it should be really a group of people who all are kind of aligned together, moving in the same direction. And if you can hold the person accountable because you know them directly, then that mm-hmm. can be the only way to go. Obviously, you you and I are not going to hang out with Joe Biden and like influence his decisions. And that detachment is really where kind of like the whole idea of tyranny comes from is, is we're not part of what they're doing and they're not part of what we're doing. So I, I kind of get where you're coming from with that. Maddie, do you want to jump in and, and kind of give me your kind of backstory as well? So I am younger than Jesse, younger than both of you, I assume, like for context, oh, uh, 9-11. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm like the baby. Like I'm not even young and I'm the, I feel like I'm the baby in this podcasting liberty sphere, but um, it is what it is. Uh, so I was in middle school when the towers came down, uh, sixth grade, um, but I was not political, did not really care one way or the other. Like in high school, I was really into like music and performing. And um, I do remember like I was in a national state and local government AP class and it was awful. And it was like just very state worshipy. And it was right at the time where we came of age to um, register to vote. And so, you know, based on just the, what they were teaching me in class, like Democrats, good Republicans, bad. Um, and so I saw the option to become an independent and I was like, well, check. Yeah. Like I'm not listening to, (laughs) there was something about it. Like I didn't even, and I couldn't even have told you at my, at, at that point in my life, like what my parents' politics were. Didn't know, didn't matter. You know, like they didn't raise us to have like a political leaning or at least like one that we could point to and knew about and were conscious of. So I decided then and there, I was like, I'm going to be independent because you can't tell me what to do. (laughs) You can't tell me what to think or who to vote for. Like, I'm going to make all my own decisions for myself. Um, And, but like, you know, as I kind of did start eventually paying more attention, which wasn't until like later years of college, which was after even Ron Paul got screwed over in the 2012 race. So like, I wasn't even aware of that really going on. Um, I kind of just, you know, honestly showed up a little late to the party and was, I, I knew I didn't like what, what I knew, what I thought I knew or saw, um, Obama's America turn into. So I was like, let me just vote for, you know, Romney. That's got to be our only way out of here. Right. (laughs) Meanwhile, that I learned later, like just how bad Romney actually was. And, you know, the whole idea and concept of rhino Republicans and how really they're all just on the left and (laughs) towards, um, 
you know, totalitarianism anyway. So like, if you actually look at a political spectrum that has any, um, has any like credence to it, you know, everybody like John McCain ends up like, (laughs) like he's not on the right, he's on the left. Um, so yeah, that was like, uh, another like kind of part of my evolution. Um, again, just kind of like reading, paying a lot of attention, um, more alternative, um, websites and, and news sites. And then, um, so then I was at the point I was kind of like, again, like I never re-registered as anything, but I was still registered as an independent, still kind of considered myself. So, but I like thought I was leaning towards, you know, conservatism and, but kind of realized I was also like, you know, somebody else coined the term like conservatarian. So that's kind of like where I felt like made sense for me and what I believed in or, you know, thought I believed in, thought I knew at the time. Again, still fairly young, like just getting out of college. Um, But like, so that kind of uh, actually, and one of my turning points um, where I realized that I should probably be even less quote unquote conservative because the conservatives quote unquote weren't even very conservative when it came to foreign policy. Mm -hmm. And so foreign policy was kind of like the biggest eye opener. It was like, I didn't know (laughs) anything, you know? Um, And just embarrassingly so. And, um, or, you know, it's, it was embarrassing for me to realize this about myself later on. And, um, but so it was, I was at a CPAC, like I went to two or three CPACs in a row and, um, but went and saw and Rand Paul, uh, gave a speech and he was saying, you know, like, basically we love where we hate the concept of big government and, and, you know, here and here and here. And he's like, well, you know, what about big government abroad? And I was just like, oh, wow, actually he's right. Like everything we're doing abroad is antithetical to everything that like conservatives are supposed to hold dear mm-hmm. <laughs> here at home, you know, and, 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 and say that they do. And so I don't know, that was kind of like one of my bigger wake up moments. And, um, I know I'm rambling, but I'm trying to get through this quickly just because there's a couple other like pivot points in my life that I can really like say helped in my evolution. Um, and can kind of get back to like your question more specifically. But so from there, like I was also like working in the public school system at the time. And so that's kind of when I was really like anti-liberal or like anti-leftist, really like anti, anti-socialist, anti-communist. Like I was, I was, I knew all the things that I wasn't, but didn't exactly like have the greatest idea of what I I was. Like if there was a, a specific name for it, other than like, sort of libertarian leaning conservative conservatarian i liked uh dan bongino's uh renegade republican like all these basically like you know people trying to put like a little bit of rebellion into like the stuck up people that um for some reason came across so like i don't know just uncool right like so not in pop culture like the left was um and so from there, I, you know, had a quarter life crisis and spent almost a year teaching English in Chile. And I had a lot of time to myself. And that's where I kind of like discovered podcasts. So I learned a lot of economics, um, including from Dan Bongino, just because he actually is pretty good on like basic econ. Um, and from there, I kept I was like, I need to learn more about economics. It seems like this really has a lot to do with like everything. You know, it seems to be the basis. And so 
And then I stumbled upon the Jason Stapleton show at that point. And, um, you know, from, from there, like I got introduced to a ton of other people and like, um, Tom Woods, uh, Dave Smith, Stefan Molyneux. And so I kind of like really just ended up binging all this information. Mm -hmm. Like I was just, you know, walking a lot in Chile, like, and, um, riding the Metro a lot, like going to and from my job and kind of also like watching Chile so interesting, like, because it is a very Americanized European country is what it feels like. Um, for like all the best and worst reasons, um, like quite a, quite an interesting mix. And then it's also obviously like, if you know anything about Chile's political history, um, you know, Salvador Allende was, I guess, murdered uh, or he killed himself. I think it's still somewhat unclear <laughs> um, and, it may, and it might depend on like the source. But um, so he was removed from government. Um, there was a political like military coup. And I think even I don't know, like, again, it, there's the, the CIA involved. I do know like it was popular on the ground as well that he took over um but it, it like so the aftermath of um years of a like a military dictatorship that really kind of ousted communism you know the result was a fairly successful and actually free market country but if you actually like look closely you know and that's what it looks like on the outside to people who don't pay too much attention to what's going on inside. But like, while I was there, you know, I was trying to like absorb what I could see. And I was trying to like take into this even more, like going from the conservative ideas of, you know, a pretty small government to libertarianism, which is like barely any government, like this should really all be on you, the individual, you know, like it'll kind of drive things back to the community level, the family level. And I was trying to see how, like, it was just quite a um, mental and thought experiment um, because, like, for example, you know, their public school systems were crap. And so you think, like, you know, as as libertarians, right, like the private example is supposed to be perfect. Um, No, their private school systems were also crap. (laughs) And so... And I I was like living in that because I was working at a private institute and it was like, well, shouldn't this be a little bit better because it's not run by the state? But it is, you know, in some ways it's like subsidized by the state. And it's like, you know, the whole thing was prone to corruption, just like anything the state decides to uh, to meddle in. So anyway, again, like it was just like living there and living that experience and trying to like watch the world unfold as I was learning more about like just how things work on a very moral, like philosophical level from the, um, from like the anarchism and anarcho-capitalism and voluntarism. Um, so trying to see like how that all worked out. And then of course, you know, having brains like Tom Woods and Bob Murphy in your ear, you're like, actually, I think this does make more sense. You know, like I'm seeing all the failures in front of me and, and what these guys are saying, like, it doesn't sound wrong. It doesn't sound impossible. And, um, and again, basically like, it's all about understanding human action and that people, um, respond to incentives, which isn't a 
bad thing. It just is a thing. It's just human nature. It's who we are. It's what happens. It's, you know, um, animals and any living organism, like one of their fundamental, like points of it being a living thing is, does it respond to stimuli? Like incentive is a type of stimuli. So anyway, uh, I'll, I'll nerd on more later, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, so I don't know, kind of from there, I came home, ended up getting a, you know, <laughs> this is another just weird tangent in my life that, um, again, I think really <sighs> confirmed for me that I was a libertarian um, and that I got my yoga certification, uh, yoga teaching certification. And I was just like, oh my God, the yoga philosophy is libertarianism and it's beautiful. And why aren't we all like holding hands and hugging and, you know, living in harmony, like, especially like all you yogis, right? Like this is, are you all hearing the same thing I'm hearing? Are you, you're not, wait, you're not like, oh, so you're for socialism. <laughs> like if it doesn't add up. So I don't know, again, it was kind of like, I had such a contrast, um, around me while I was absorbing this like rich information, I, you know, I can't call it confirmation bias because I was co constantly exposed to the other examples. Um, but anyway, yeah, I kind of like, I mean, that was just kind of it. And, um, that kind of <laughs> unified it all for me that I ended up in, um, still, still again, like trying to not be very political about it. Like, but I've kind of come to the understanding that like, the libertarian label is where is stuck in politics. I think it kind of like is where politics begins and ends. And like that realm, that sphere, I think that's where you can consider yourself. Like if you're kind of into the ideas we are, especially like the moral philosophy that, um, you know, that's where the political political party or political arena you'd be in but you know i think again it's a little bit more moral and philosophical and ideological than that and so in that sense i'm an anarchist you know like we have no rulers like and and really truly like no king but christ like there is no man that should be ruling me and um i wouldn't wish to rule another so you know i think um removing myself and divorcing myself a little bit more from like the political and trying to associate with a party or just a, a political movement. Um, I know I've definitely become a lot happier and, um, I think that's more important to like having a, um, like having a healthy, like mental state of health and kind of like just being good at what you're doing and being a good example to others and really living your philosophy instead of trying to like will it on others through political action. So so what I was thinking about when you said that, and th this is kind of something that that shows itself uh, very prominently in our our particular tribe. It's it's a, a tendency to gravitate toward towards the socioeconomic right. And and you mentioned Christ there. And I, I feel like that's, you know, I, I was dragged kicking and screaming to that message. I, I grew up Roman Catholic. I always hated the bureaucracy between me and God. I, I didn't like all the systems yeah. that were in place. Um, and mm -hmm. and I, I fought against it for a long time while my eyes were closed and I was very lazy with my libertarianism, my philosophical anarchy. And over this past year, I've really delved deep into Christianity and, and other religions and ancient texts and ancient civilizations and tried to, to figure out the cycles and patterns that have worked for people. And and so when, when you mentioned that, um, it really hit home with me because 
I, I fought against it. I, I didn't want to be a, I, I really didn't want to be a Christian. I, I really wanted to be an atheist. And, uh, and you know, Christ and God, they're very devious in the way that they'll drag you into something that when you go back and you look at how civilization flourishes versus uh, ends in utter chaos, you just see mm-hmm. the pattern every single time. And I, I feel like I came to my understanding of uh, Christianity and the Lord and, and the way that I think civilization should, should flourish um, th- almost through logic and reason. Right, like I, I reasoned yeah. my way to it, and <laughs> and then funny, and, and then and then I went, oh my god, how did I not see this before? This is the only way this works. Well, why do you think that that either one of you can answer? Why do you think that that is, and why do you think it's so hard for either left libertarians or even like mainstream libertarians, or, or even Dave Smith, who I think is is not even close to getting on that bandwagon, but kind of understands the idea of family since he's had kids, he's sort of there. What do you think mm-hmm. it is that gravitates us towards that path, and and why do other libertarians avoid it so like so intrinsically mm-hmm. and so deeply? Like towards uh, religion, or well, re- religion is inevitable, right? It's either going to be the Church of Woke, or it's going to be cosplay, <laughs> yeah. or it's going to be God, right? That there's a God shaped yeah. hole in man's heart. It's going to be filled or attempted to be filled by something. Yeah, and it, so what do you think it pushes? the people with libertarian and anarchist and voluntarist mindsets away from accepting that kind of the way that I prevented myself from accepting it. What do you think that makes them so uh, against it? I think that people feel like Christianity has its limitations in free will and a voluntarist believes in complete free will, but really they just don't understand Christianity because free will is all throughout the Bible all the time. Mm-hmm. And God gives us that free will all the time. Um, he's That was innate in us from the moment we were born. We had a choice. So I think that's just something, I think it's just poor understanding of religion and Christianity in general is why people fight it because they, they just believe the stereotype. Well, that and, um, you know, Adam, you mentioned being a Roman Catholic. I mean, technically, I guess that's what I was raised to be as well. And it's like, to me, all I saw was the bureaucracy. All I saw was the institution. All I saw was eventually, like, to our horror and dismay, what was coming out about, you know, what those priests were doing. And, and like, that's a huge turnoff. And, um, and, you know, I know, like, for example, my boyfriend's father, like his grandfather, so, you know, his father's dad, um, was a pretty devout Catholic, like ended up donating a ton of his money later in life to his church, like went regularly, like is buried over there, you know, like was very involved in the church, but his son. So my boyfriend's dad was forced to go to Catholic school. I think there's also like a ton of people who were forced to go to Catholic school and the nuns were awful or, you know, and hit them with rulers or something. And so like, it was a bunch of, um, rule makers and arbitrariness and you know other people telling them what to do that got in their way i think of you know and separated people from god from christ from like the actual lord instead and just you know put all these barriers in between them and the barriers were a good excuse to kind of walk away from it i mean i was i've come back and it, but again, another part of that I think is like you know I hated going to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I hate yep. I, like I I, I was yeah, made it was, to. It was I didn't, awful. I didn't want to. 
awful. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like hated early it. on your day off. And, yeah. And I, like the, our, our, one of our guys would just like drone on and on. And then he would like call out people for being, you know, a little late or like a baby crying. And it's just like, you know, I had no patience or tolerance or in, like joy out of that experience. So I was like, if any, so if anybody like even non-libertarian, just normal people being forced into that situation, it's yeah. not fun. So, you know, I think um, it is interesting as, as, I've, as I've evolved in my, you know, more political or philosophical leanings and understanding of the world, um, just how many people actually were. I, I think that actually kind of maybe was a, a like another reason, like it became a light that, you know, guided me home to where I think I'm, I'm supposed to be. And um, just that there were like other brilliant thinkers. Like I already mentioned Tom Woods and Bob Murphy, but like, they're very, very devout, like men of God. And mm-hmm. I was just like, you really can have it all <laughs> like that. <laughs> and, um, and it, and it didn't, you didn't have to have that logical, um, argument as much like you said like even the logic of it and the reason of it brought me to it but you didn't have to like kind of have that I need to be right about everything and you can't prove the existence of God so like that dumb argument well I've often said that libertarianism without morality is just degeneracy and I I think there's a heart it's very difficult for a lot of libertarians to conceptualize that because it's the you know, I'll do me, you do you, we won't hurt each other. And so, yeah, I guess theoretically, if you want to go shoot heroin up or whatever, it doesn't really like affect me. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it kind of does. If you're, if you're living right next to somebody or they're shooting up heroin on your sidewalk, I mean, forget like the private property and Kapistan issue, like just look at our, our current reality. It, of course it affects you. And it just seems like this, this very, kind of ridiculous disconnect between, you know, it's a bit silly. It, it, it well, <laughs> yeah. Right. Like more than a bit. It, it, it's, it's a, you can't, yeah. you can't just say, so here's the thing. M- morally, I understand where they're coming from morally because you don't yeah. want to um, force your views of how the world should work on other people because then you are committing some sort of aggression and the, and that the, the, the end game of that it can be extrapolated out into really horrendous terms. So if you start it, then you're kind of granting permission for other people to continue it to a point that you wouldn't. And so that kind of, I get that. But if you're if you're trying to engineer something, and I know libertarians don't like that word, but if you're trying to create a society in which, you know, anarchists or libertarians can flourish, you really can't just allow everything. And I, the word allow is going to rub people wrong. Like I totally get, are you still there? Shoot. I lost you. All right. I'm not sure where I left off with that, but kind of talking about like how without some like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe mm. like I was, I was thinking about it, the more libertine side of uh, libertarianism and how, you know, just because you let and allow somebody to Oh, right. Inject heroin into themselves doesn't mean it doesn't necessarily affect you, too. And so how do we kind of try to move towards a um, probably a society where we can all agree that we don't want to force anybody to really do something against their will or, you know, truly stand in their way with force or violence. But doesn't mean we can't kind of 
judge you and it doesn't mean we don't know what kind of is a terrible idea and will affect others, including yourself yeah. and your children and your neighbors mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I, anybody I think who steps on your heroin needle. <laughs> I, I think we've seen throughout history what happens when, you know, ultimately like universal tolerance is accepted by by anyone. And mm-hmm. it, it's very difficult for anarchists and libertarians to conceptualize that because they're naturally not predisposed to be tolerant. I mean, uh, to, to they're naturally predisposed to be tolerant, right? To yeah. say, well, I don't accept what you're doing, but it's okay if you do it over there. And I find that that voluntarism, libertarianism, anarchism, they're, they're very reactionary and not in the political Curtis Yarvin sense of reactionary, but they are literally reacting to the current political socioeconomic movement. And, and so they're saying, well, obviously, and I would agree with this, obviously what we're, we're saying is better than what we're currently living through, but I'm not entirely sure many of them have thought through what their ideology would look like minus our current paradigm. And, and that's kind of been sort of my focus is, okay, well, let, yeah. let's say we went and created in Kapistan. We all just got together and tried to figure out how to make this work. We couldn't, we could no longer say we're just anti-state because the, we, there wouldn't be a state anymore to be anti, right? So what would we do with that? And, and that's kind of my question. When, when we talk about like the right versus the left, is that a thing that would exist empirically outside of our current paradigm or is it just a reaction to what we're living through now? I, I think we could probably, I, I could probably ask your opinion on that. Do you think the right versus the left you know, spectrum would exist on its own? Or is it just a reaction to the world we live in now? I think, um, and, you know, Jordan Peterson and other psychoanalysts have looked at this, but there would be some sort of spectrum, um, you know, the left and right would become perhaps arbitrary unless we decided to keep that metric. Um, but, you know, people do range in personality types, like what is it, the big five personality types? And, um, you know, somebody who might be like very high in creativity and openness, but maybe a little bit less um, conscientious, they kind of end up somewhere on the left. And, you know, we're grateful for those people and that and that and what they contribute to society when they're not, you know, slobbering on, um, you know, the state's dong. But and then like on the right, they're a little bit more structured. They're a lot more conscientious. They might not be as open um, and not as creative, but they're really good at like getting things done. And um, again, like that can go in a really bad direction, as we know. Um, But so, you know, like just the varying personality types um, among humans, I think that would be something that would still play itself out in a quote unquote and Kapistan, we'd still have, but I mean, and then that goes further to like why, you know, specialization occurs. Everybody's kind of got their own talents and gifts and skills. And, you know, if they're in a place and in, in a system, maybe to, that would be incentivized for them to, you know, kind of have to pull their own weight, but still bring to the table, like their best elements, um, I, you know, I think um, that still goes to like how people are able to cooperate with people that are different from the other, but it kind of gets corrupted and poisoned when like you're forced to associate with people. And, and when I say forced, I mean like not just by like circumstance, but, you know, 
public schooling and, you know, dragging all these people and kids in together and, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, it getting subsidized and, you know, you having to be, you're like you as a child, maybe are forced to be there and you're forced to just endure whoever the teachers are that the state hires, um, force association, you know, what they do to businesses. So, you know, there's anti-discrimination laws. And so really, truly, you know, it's not a great idea and to do it, but you're allowed to, you should be allowed to discriminate and make your own judgment call and who you want to interact with. Um, cause again, like the forcing of it makes it less harmonious. Like <laughs> people aren't angels, you know, like, it, but it, it, when you have the opportunity to sort of, um, make a better decision that would result in a more cooperative, peaceful environment that is in everybody's best interest. And so it kind of goes to actually something, Jesse, you should go on because you were talking about in one of your live streams recently, just like how, um, I don't know, like, you know what I'm saying now? Well, I will say it always, it always comes down to the individual. Yeah. It it always boils down to that. So, uh, if you as an individual do not have your, have your own, you're not taking responsibility for your own stuff, then, and you're depending on other people to provide these things for you, then you're setting yourself up for failure. Um, especially in, in, in Kapistan, because there's not going to be like a centralized government to save you if something goes wrong. And even in the situation we have now, we have so many people who are dependent on the government for a paycheck for healthcare for their well-being and it's failing them left and right and it's like they're only they 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 can't think outside of that paradigm at all so if we were to try and like what you're saying if we were going to try to get people to be more moral and get kind of on the same page it's going to have to start with education it's going to have to start with associating with you know people peacefully first off um, it has to start within your own family, even as a parent, you might have to teach that to your children and, and you might have to talk about that with your spouse or your friends over a beer, over a meal, make it just part of the conversation. I would say that's really where it starts instead of saying, well, today we're, here's my decree and I'm going to nail it to the, to the placard in the middle of the square. And this is what we're going to do. Um, but when you have people that that like you and you like them and you're having a good time and you're just talking about ideas, that's the time to do it. And um, I, I think that's the best way to get ideas spread. It's funny how we we kind of all always end up in the same place and, and we're coming at it from so many different angles. But we always end up with this idea of a universal morality, uh, a, a universal kindness and empathy for other people. And the the folks who kind of look down on that and call, you know, I, I, I would call myself right wing just because I'm not left wing. So I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have called myself left wing my whole life. I mean, just the way that I think about the world, I would have said, well, I have a massive amount of empathy and understanding for people. And I, I would always go out of my way to help others. But then I look at the the modern left or even the last like hundred years of what we would call the political or socioeconomic left in the United States or in the Western democratic world. And it's like, well, I'm not them. I'm not those people. So, you know, Curtis Yarvin had a great quote where he said, you know, the the high school kid goes into the guidance counselor's office and he says, uh, you know, tell me how I'm supposed to live my life. 
And, you know, the guidance counselor is probably some 70 year old woman with uh, bifocals. And she says, well, you're either going to do this thing or you're a Nazi. And what does the rebellious kid do? He either <laughs> conforms or he just becomes a Nazi, quote unquote, right? And and I, I looked at that and I was like, well, I'm not going to do either of those things, but I guess I'm not left. I mean, I don't really even know what that means. And But we always find ourselves, the three of us, or no, no matter who I talk to, working toward the same progression. It's always a basic sense of a, a Christian morality a, a a sense of leaving other people uh, leaving other people alone, not hurting people and taking their stuff, and, and we come to it from a lot of different worldviews, but we always end up in the same place. And I find that pattern amazing and so natural, and it it really confuses me when I talk to or I see uh, left libertarians, and I, I I don't understand I don't understand exactly how somebody could come to that viewpoint. Do, do you have maybe you could enlighten me? because I'm, I'm sure both of you are much smarter than I am. When you look at somebody like a left libertarian or somebody who's like anti-Mises caucus or somebody who's anti-Dave Smith, and not that I'm incredibly pro-Dave Smith, but I'm more on his side than Archie Flower, for example. How, how do those people come to an understanding of libertarianism that is so different from mine or perhaps yours? I think it's a failure on their part to understand human nature to the fullest degree and and, and really kind of like evolutionary biology in a way, like the right way you were even just mentioning right there, like the nature of this. I am um, like I also came to this point of where my learning um, because I was a biology degree or like I got a biology degree. I got a bachelor's in biology and um so like I was, I could have like, you know, gotten a really easy literature degree. No offense to anybody listening who's uh, you know, English major, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I just didn't want to write anymore. I was like, F that. Like I hate essays, like I'm not. And I hated being forced to read. I would I like didn't read any books in school that I was assigned to read, maybe like one or two. Um, but so like I ended up somehow falling in love with biology because it explained the world around me and that's that love I've found in that in that particular branch of science was kind of exactly like the love and like home the sense of being home when I found like economic like uh, like the Austrian school understanding of economics and human action and so for me like coming from that and like studying you know like ecology and evolution and um evolutionary biology and just the, and then also like I got a minor in Spanish. So I, you know, spent a lot of time um, learning about like the history of language and just the history of humans and where we all came from. And again, like you were alluding to earlier, Adam, like just the rise and fall of civilizations and just the spread of languages and, mm -hmm. and culture and society, like, and um, just all those different intermingling things, um, <laughs> you know, kind of watching patterns emerge. And so I think, um, and I don't know, this makes me maybe sound a little bit arrogant, but I think those of us that might have a better understanding of nature and then human nature kind of might, and, and I think it's not completely unrelated um, to the fact that we might also believe in God. It's just, an, it's, it's a really interesting um, trifecta really. Like I think, um, that it, it's just pointed us in this direction. I, I don't think it's for no reason. I think um, 
there's somehow like a closerness to true nature, um, the truth, um, the logos, Christ, if that's how you see it, you know, it's, and, and, you know, the things that are in us on every cell of our body, its job is to replicate and, you know, it can only replicate in a, um, in the proper environment with like the proper nutrients, with the proper ingredients, everything that your body and every cellular process needs. And so I think like, just from like a very cellular level, like we need a specific environment to, to flourish. Right. And then as like, we're as humans, we're just like these big blobs of like billions of cells. And as humans, we need a very certain type of environment to flourish. And, um, you know, generally it, it also takes like a lot of like empathy. I think when you were, when you were mentioning that, I was thinking like, that's kind of like end game evolutionary goals. Like we get this bonus of this thing called empathy and kindness um, when everything else has gone right for us, like in our development. And, and that I, I mean that like more as a species and a population too. And like even, you know, communities and, and different sects of society, but as an individual, like, it, um, you know, you be, you obviously like have the better opportunity to be a better person and nicer person and more cooperative. And, but you kind of generally might need, um, a good environment in order to develop into that person. So I don't know, that's a long way to say that I like to think I'm trying to stick closer to nature. And this really does to me, um, like the anarchist, voluntarist, libertarian philosophy, the morality of it, the non-aggression principle, self-ownership, self-sovereignty, self-government, um, if you want to call it that, you know, that all seems to me to be closer to basically like the most successful um, biological standing for our species. When it when it comes to the ecology issue, I'm going to send both of you a, um, a podcast episode from Jonathan Peugeot. I, I don't remember the gentleman's name. It was, I think it was Paul Kingsworth was the guy that was mm -hmm. on the show. I listened to it like two dozen times. I just can't get enough of the episode. And he was talking I mean, about coming up being – are you familiar with the gentleman that I'm talking about? No. no. I'm, I'm so intrigued. I, I'm, I'm so gonna send send it to, I'm going to send it to both of you afterward. It, it was a fantastic okay. episode. And he, he was an atheist um, ecology guy, like a left-wing tree hugger essentially. And who, yeah, who, wow. who came to um, Christ – and I, I I can't listen to the episode enough, so I'm I'm going to send it to you after this. But Je Jesse, I want to I want to pull you in because the the last year we talk about cycles and patterns. We we can see that uh, this yeah. this God shaped hole in man's heart is is filled with whatever somebody can just stuff in there, right? It, it's it's going to be misplaced mm -hmm. perhaps, but the 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 biological need for meaning and purpose, the spiritual need for meaning and purpose, is going to be filled somehow. We've seen that. Uh, I mean so overtly the last 13, 14 months with mm -hmm. the COVID lockdowns and the mask mandates and the church of woke and the COVID cult. And, you know, and, and probably nobody's been more on top of this than Vin Armani, who's been on this show twice and who's kind of like really opened my eyes to seeing or not seeing, but articulating what I feel about this. And, mm -hmm. and so when mm -hmm. you look at the church of woke and, and you look at what they're doing, do you think that this... It, I, I'm of the belief that it's never going away, that this is going to be an institutional religion that will last, an atheistic religion that will last probably throughout our lifetime. How do you view it and how do you see the the reaction from our tribe? What do you think we should be doing to combat or maybe even ignore 
what the Church of Woke has uh, created in our reality? Well, I think the the Church of Woke has a lot of logical inconsistencies all the time. So, you know, I mean, we can talk about what those are, but I mean, pointing out those to those people, it will piss them off, but it will, they'll have to see it. So I don't know. I think, you know, I guess the, the, what we should be doing is just being the logical ones, not the emotional ones. That's what they are. They're led by their emotions. And that's why there's so many logical inconsistencies with their viewpoint. You know, um, we have to be anti-racist, but white privilege is a thing. Um, you know, we, who, who needs an AR-15, but, um, and we hate cops, but the only people that should have guns are cops. Like those are two common inconsistencies mm-hmm. that is in their, you know, theology. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, yep. uh, you know, that's all I can say is just po- keep poking holes through their ideas because there's, they're filled with holes and they're not going to work. I don't know if we'll all, I think we will have people who are atheists all throughout our lives, but I don't think that these atheistic movements will last. I mean, the, you know, Russia fell, uh, communism all over the world has fallen, has failed everywhere it's happened. And um, you could say, well, that North Korea is still there, but North Korea is not communist. North Korea is just a totalitarian fascist nation. So, (laughs) um, I, I think that the key is, is that we just have to remain realistic as much as possible. I mean, atheism at the very, atheism itself requires a, a huge amount of faith to keep being an atheist. And, you know, that's kind of the, the thing about it. And we, you guys were talking about, especially Maddie was talking about like her love of biology and how she saw all these like patterns throughout, uh, you know, her studies. I mean, the world is ordered. It's always been ordered. There's laws of gravity. There's laws of uh, diffusion, osmosis, uh, the laws of thermodynamics. We all have to follow these laws and uh, we can try to not follow them, but we are subjected to them regardless. So uh, I think that that in itself, just knowing how ordered the world is, and then if you believe in evolution and all the, like there are some aspects of the evolutionary theory that are true, that have been, you know, bared out, but not all of them have been, and that's why they're theories. Um, Just knowing how mutations work and knowing how uh, certain things work, there's some aspects of like evolutionary theory that just, don't seem to make any logical sense. And the, th- the laws of thermodynamics bear that out. So I'm just, you know, I think that's just all you can do is just speak the truth, just be realistic. Well, I, I just, um, I'm, I'm going to drop right after we finish recording this, I'm dropping an episode with Andrew from Popular Liberty, who I came uh, came to through Matt Erickson from the Jason Stapleton uh, from Wealth, Power and Influence. And, and Matt and I are, are getting to be pretty good friends. We've been texting back and forth and talking a lot about um, the mechanisms of power and engineering society and, and morality and all that. So it, it's interesting that you were talking about um, kind of kind of physics there because uh, mm. it, Andrew's idea is he, he developed a, a term called archotropism, which is essentially the physics of power or the mechanisms of power. Mm. And he's looking at it from very much from a facts and logic standpoint. And uh, mm-hmm. so I'll be dropping that after this. My take for the past year has been 
you can't fight magic with facts and logic. Um, or at least I don't know yeah. how I can. <laughs> and yeah. but, but a lot of people do. I mean, uh, Tom Woods has spent the entire year fighting magic with facts and logic. He's, he's produced and a lot God, of incredible content. God bless him. And, yeah. and uh, but but it's not I, I don't know how, you know, I, I, I've, I've long said all fights on all fronts at all times with all weapons and all allies. So I'm not trying to uh, get in anybody's way who's working toward the same goal that I'm getting, I'm working toward. Uh, I I don't know how you fight a religion with logic. I'm not sure how that works. But if it does, if it does convince people to not adhere to the Church of Woke, then great. Um, So, uh, Maddie, I'm I'm curious, do you see the facts and logic argument as a way forward or an option? Or do you think that uh, we as, you know, libertarian leaning, or I might consider myself a post-libertarian, but I'm very like uh, I'm very much on everyone's side on this tribe. Uh, do do we use our own style of quote unquote magic to get where we want to go against this particular like atheistic religion? Um, I kind of think uh, that again we each are going to be different. Like Jesse and I are very different people. Like personality type wise, we're incredibly different. Like, I don't know if you know anything about the Enneagram, but (laughs) I'm a type one wing nine. And so I'm the like perfectionist idealist, but it's all self, it's all self-directed. Like I'm my own biggest critic. And, um, but like, it it makes me very kind of, um, a little, maybe too self-deprecating, but you know, it, I hold myself to a very high standard. And, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm not a martyr, but like, you know, there's plenty of people who, um, and I know a lot of libertarians, I did a, I did a poll at one point from our page, like trying to figure out all the libertarians, any Enneagram types and kind of how we all like were different personalities and how we all fit together. And we, again, like back to like what I was saying earlier about, we bring our gifts to the table, our skills. And, um, and the wing nine in me is like a, the peacemaker. Like, so I'm also like super chill and I'm not going to get up in your face. And like, again, it, it goes back to like me, I'm trying to do this like perfection for myself, which again is awful sometimes, but you know, it's what's driving me forward and towards and trying to create that better world that I think like both like I need to be, but I would suggest others try and do so too. Um, Cause like, if I can keep myself in order, anybody can. And so then Jesse, on the other hand, is a type eight. And I can't remember exactly what that name is at this point, but like, she's like super outspoken and um, (laughs) like will not hold back and sticks up for the little guy, like very loudly. And it's just, you know, she and I are again, very different people, but I think we compliment ourselves, compliment each other well. And so, you know, like you were talking about the Tom Woods thing and what he brought to the table this year. I mean, I'm eternally grateful for what he did because with his facts and logic and reason and trying to find answers, like I knew I wasn't alone and he kept me and probably kept thousands of other, if not millions of other people sane, you know, so that we could keep fighting the fight in whichever you know, one-on-one conversation we could have on our own podcast and our own audiences, like our own friends and families and things like, you know, so I think, um, you know, just like everybody receives things differently, everybody's able to give yeah. things differently. And so I'm, I, I don't know, like I'm a, <laughs> I'm kind of like 
totally a hippie. And so I'm very passionate about things and, um, you know, really want just like peace, love and happiness and all that jazz. And so I'm able to kind of speak a couple different languages, I think, like, I don't mean like actual I know languages. What you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, but you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. I can, um, I, I can fit into and mold into different crowds. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, and so I think that's a, a gift in, in, in and of itself too, that, um, you know, I'm able to talk to a vast array of different people and able to try to convey and uh, meet, reach some middle ground with people in any way I can, which t- I will tell you is getting harder and harder, harder than ever though, because, you know, people don't really like to listen. Um, yeah. and and so, and, and really like actually what's worse. And I was thinking about it cause we just hired a new girl and she's young and opinionated and smart enough. And so of course she's got like all these opinions that she's going to tell you immediately what they are. And she's not open to information. She's not open to anything to ch- that might change her mind or change her views. She knows everything. And that's how a lot of people are out there. And so you know, that's, those are the people that I don't know if logic and reason are going to be the best things. And, but also like, I don't know. So I think like some of the things that hit me the most were the moral arguments, even though I think I'm a very like logic-based, fact-based, reason-driven person and thinker, but like the anti-war sentiment came from Dave Smith giving me a big slap of cold water in my face about the atrocities going on overseas. And mm-hmm. so I don't know. I, I, I think like there's no way there's no blanket statement. There's no blanket approach. I think, um, yeah, like Jesse said, you kind of just got to be true to yourself and do what you can and speak your truth. And, you know, and whether, everybody, whether you, yeah, everybody has different, like you said, has different gifts. I was just thinking like, you know, some people, are really good musicians and lyricists and so they can get their message across that way yeah artists um ayn rand was a novelist got her whole philosophy out in fiction you know so there's many avenues (laughs) to get the ideas across it just depends on the person how they how they want to get that idea across well let let's uh because you mentioned dave let, let's wrap on this because i i do have a, a mild amount of influence on the mises caucus here in connecticut and uh i absolutely adore our twitter feed um the libertarian party of connecticut secretary d- does a twitter feed he happens to live like two miles up the road from me and uh, he's a really, he's a really good guy. I'll, I'll hook you up with the links afterward. Um, okay. And, and I, I met these guys and gals personally, so I, I know that we're, we are moving in the right direction. If, if I'm going to do anything political, I need to know that I'm morally moving in the same direction as the people that I'm working with. And it seems to me when I meet or talk to even online uh, people from the Mises Caucus, I, in general, I've great. In general, I've. Um, <laughs> found a lot of uh, consistency with that, a lot of uh, reasons to agree with them. Uh, I'm curious what you think about Dave and what he's doing based on the conversation we had. And then we, we can kind of wrap up on, on, on that. You may go I mean, first. I love Dave. <laughs> yeah, go for um, it. Yeah, jump in. I, I love Dave. I've seen him um, a number of times live. Like I've met him and spoken to him in person a number of times. Um so I don't know. I, I really appreciate what he's doing. And 
I love anybody who's that unapologetic. Um, so like, you know, Tom Woods too, and like the Jeff Dice, like the, I love the Misesians and, um, that's just like where I think I feel again, like more at home with, um, just their ideas there. I'm kind of like a very like passive, agreeable person. And so having somebody else who is kind of a lot louder than I am, but a lot more, um, just forthcoming again, you know, that's like Jesse and I compliment each other. Like that's one of the ways I look up to Jesse that she just exactly says it how it is and doesn't even care. Um, so, you know, that's the kind of, um, approach that I appreciate because it's not, it's something I absolutely can't do. Yeah. Jesse, do you think that Dave's sort of, um, I don't know if it's hesitancy or, or what it is exactly to accept the, um, the Christ narrative or the most high narrative, do you think that will help or harm him when he um, it, it's likely to step into the shoes of the Ron Paul movement where Ron Paul uh, exuded those traits quite naturally? Do you think that Dave will be harmed by, by, by not exuding those things himself or by trying to appeal to quote unquote unity? Or do you think that maybe that's in, in this particular climate uh, helpful? Um, I think the thing that I was going to say about Dave that I really like is that he's willing to change his mind when he is presented with more information. I think he's on his way there, to be quite honest. He's already changed his mind on abortion. Mm -hmm. He's changed his mind on uh, Mm -hmm. marriage Mm -hmm. and family, traditional family roles. He's also just talked about how it actually is a good thing for religion to be in, he sees the benefit of it in people's lives. He, there was a whole episode that he did on that with, um, I don't know if it was with uh, Epstein. I can't remember who it was with, but I, I think that he's on his way there and he's going to talk himself into it at some point. That's what I see. <laughs> I know? hope so. Be funny. Yeah, I hope so. That, that's yeah. a very positive and I think outlook. Yes. Christians, people who are Christians in the, in this, in the, uh, this movement, they're going to be probably more open to him because he's more curious about mm-hmm. it than somebody who is then maybe somebody who already was a Christian, but they're, they're not really open to changing their mind and not really looking for new information to kind of change their mind. So, yeah, I, I, I hope that's true. I I'm, I'm nervous about him, but I'm also optimistic and I'm just just watching from the outside because he's one of the few people in that circle that I've I've never spoken with personally, and uh, and probably won't for a while just by the nature of what we do and the fact that he's mm-hmm. gotten so huge over the last year year or two. Yeah, um, I'm optimistic, but I'm cautious, and I, I hope that he does come to those understandings. Um, it would be in his benefit and and to the benefit of the people who will eventually follow him. For him, for him to accept that, because I, I think it's a, it's not only natural; it's just um, you're you're going to be the detriment if you don't. So, uh, yeah. listen. And anything we didn't touch on that you want to jump into for a minute or two, and then um, either way, uh, let people know where they can listen to your uh, beautiful message. I don't know. I feel <laughs> like you know we covered a lot of ground, and I, I it, like I said before. Um, or, you know, at least in messaging back and forth. I mean, I appreciate the opportunity to go on somebody else's show and uh, mm. not drive the, not drive the car. I get it. Yeah, um, I totally get it. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. And, um, 
I like answering questions better than I like asking questions. So, um, you know, cause it makes me think, um, so I appreciate that. And so, uh, in saying that, you know, thank you for having us. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell people where they could check out your stuff. Um, well, we have, a, a podcast called the voluntary vixens. Um, you can, Find that anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Um, we even have a website, voluntaryvixens.com. If you want to just go straight to the website, we're part of the uh, Make Liberty Great Again uh, network. So if you guys have heard of The Mad Ones with Cam Harless mm-hmm. and Jessica. An- um, another uh, OG Jason Stapleton yeah. program group guy. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And uh, other, I mean, I don't know if we want me to list all of them, but there's a whole a list of people that you should listen to from that network. They're really great, smart people. Yeah, um, uh, list a few out. Uh, the Techno Agorist. Uh, then there's Thank You for Your Servers. Um, Techno Agorist is by has is hosted by Ryan Burgett. I think he's mm-hmm. kind of taking a hiatus right now because you know been yeah. working on some projects. But then um, Thank You for Your Servers. That's um, Thaddeus. Preston, he's the mo- one that runs that, and uh, we have the Lesbertarian, but Kim has been. Kim's also on a little bit of a hiatus. Been, yeah, she's been busy with taking care of her mom right now. Yeah, um, and then Dave with the morning, uh, the morning drive morning with David. Drive with Dave. <laughs> yeah, and I'm th- is that it? I think that's it, right? Yeah, I'd say like we all kind of uh, found each other on the internet. Like I mentioned, I think to you, Adam, before, um, and anybody who actually you know listens to our podcast knows I've never met Jesse in real life. <laughs> I've never met right. any of my pod- podcast networkers in real life. Uh, I don't think. No. Okay. Yeah. No, I haven't. None of them. Um, I've definitely met other people like that. I've met on the internet. Like, and it's totally it's awkward because it's like I've gotten so many more friends and developed deeper friendships with people I've met online recently, especially over the past year. So like internet friends for the win, like what is up guys? Truth. Um, like minds, no matter the distance. Right. So, yep. Um, well, yeah, uh, uh, I, well, make sure I get all of those links and names and, uh, uh, so I can direct people to it in the show notes. And then when I do the intro and the yeah. outro to the show, um, Vixens, Maddie and Jesse, I very much appreciate your time. Thank you for bearing with my Zoom ridiculousness and my uh, retardedness about dealing with technology. Um, I, I, I was no, very much fine. looking forward to this, and I, I, I really appreciate your uh, humoring me. And uh, that, that was great. I, thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Bye, ladies. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Maddie and Jesse from the Voluntary Vixens podcast for coming on and having this conversation with me. I appreciate and love all of you. And that's it for today. For now, be safe, be well. I will talk to you soon.